If you were at Mass yesterday, you know that the Gospel reading was about the transfiguration of Jesus. We all heard the account from St. Matthew's Gospel. This event, Jesus being transfigured, is actually told in three of the four Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And they all tell the same story, almost identical in their description of the event, except that Luke's Gospel has one detail that's not included in the other two. Do you know what Luke tells us that Matthew and Mark don't? Well, I'll tell you the answer coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Josh Raymond. I'm talking with our spiritual director here uh, just a few seconds ago asking if he knows what the answer is. He doesn't either. So, all right, well, the story of the transfiguration of Jesus. As I said, it's very similar in the first three Gospels there in the Bible. Jesus, he takes Peter, James, and John, and they all walk up this high mountain, Mount Tabor. And when they reach the top of the mountain, Peter, James, and John, they see Jesus, who is transfigured before them. Matthew's gospel that we heard yesterday, it describes it like this. It says, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. Then we have, uh, after that, Moses and Elijah, they appear. They're talking with Jesus. Peter, he offers to build three tents, or these three shelters for Jesus, one for Jesus, one for Moses, one for Elijah, so that they can stay up there on the mountain. Then there's this cloud that comes over them, and they hear this voice, a voice from the cloud, God the Father speaking and saying, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. So that's the basic story. But then Luke includes one extra detail. While Peter, James, and John have been up there on Mount Tabor, while they're praying with Jesus, they fall asleep. Matthew and Mark don't say this. Luke is the only one. It's, it's only after they wake up, though, that they see Jesus transfigured, and they recognize Moses and Elijah. They're speaking with Jesus. This is what Luke says. He says, Peter and his companions had been overcome by sleep, but becoming fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. So those three apostles, Peter, James, and John, falling asleep when something important happens, sleeping when they're supposed to be praying. Does that sound familiar? In less than a month from now, coming up in only 27 days, on Palm Sunday, we're going to hear the gospel reading that day. And again, Peter, James, and John will have fallen asleep. This time, it's going to be in the Garden of Gethsemane after the Last Supper. Jesus, he'll go into the garden to pray. And while Jesus is there in his agony, those three apostles will fall asleep, and Jesus will come back to find them. He'll wake them up. He'll ask them to pray. But he'll find all three of them sleeping not only once, not even twice. Jesus finds them sleeping three times. Three times he wakes them up and asks for them to pray, but they keep on nodding off. Does your prayer life, does it feel like that sometimes? You have time set aside for prayer, and you have the best of intentions, but then you don't pray the way you mean to. And it might not be that you fall asleep. Maybe it's something else that distracts you, other things that have absorbed your attention. And pretty soon you realize, wow, a lot of time has slipped away from you. That time that you meant to spend in prayer, that you meant to spend with God, but your mind was busy on other things. And maybe you try to focus, maybe even refocus. You try to get back on track with your prayer time, but then your mind wanders again and again. 
Well, you're not alone. You know, all of us have those times where we can easily get distracted when we're praying. If the apostles themselves, if they fell asleep when they should have been praying, and it happened more than once, that's a pretty good indication we, too, will have things that distract us from prayer. So what should you do if you find your mind wandering while you're praying? If you start thinking about other things, maybe there's all those to-do things, the tasks that you need to do later that day or tomorrow. How can you minimize those distractions? How can you regain that focus? Well, today we want to take this hour of the inner life to discuss how we can overcome some of those distractions that all of us encounter when we're praying. And joining me as our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki, is back once again. Father Kabicki is a Jesuit priest, and he is a spiritual director at St. Francis de Sales Seminary in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. He gives retreats and missions regularly around the country, and you hear his daily reflections here on Relevant Radio. Father Kabicki, glad to have you here in the studio with me in our Chicago area studio. Josh, it's a pleasure to be with you uh, on the air, but also in person right here looking at each other. So it's wonderful. It's been a number of years. We had met, gosh, we probably met for the first time, I'm guessing maybe 2005 or 2006. Probably early on in the history of Relevant Radio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm I'm so glad to have you here and that we've we've had that that kind of partnership with you for so many years. Well, so uh, have you ever fallen asleep while you've been praying, Father? (laughs) Indeed, I have. Uh, but usually what happens is I find myself um, thinking about other things than what I intend to do. To do. And it's, it's funny, even if I'm, I'm reading the scriptures or reading my divine office, the breviary that every priest and deacon is obligated to read, I, I might be reading the words, but my mind is somewhere else, thinking about something else. So I think uh, this is a great topic because distractions, I think, are just par for the course, as it were. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, before we even get maybe into how we minimize those, how we how we overcome those, maybe we can just spend the first few moments here talking about prayer itself. It's such a focal point of this hour of the inner life, you know, that interior life, that relationship with God. But if you can maybe just uh, talk to us about what is prayer, how should we understand what prayer is and what we are trying to accomplish in that time spent in prayer? Well, I think St. Teresa of Avila, the great uh, doctor of the church, uh, Carmelite mystic, Uh, She said, you know, prayer is basically um, a relationship with God, conversation with God. And uh, we're probably most familiar with uh, growing up and learning to pray by uh, kneeling next to our beds in the morning or at night and saying prayers or reciting prayers and intercessory prayer where we ask God to bless family members or others that we know who are in need Uh, Maybe we learned also prayer of thanksgiving, Uh, but in a lot of cases, it was a matter of of us doing all the talking, Uh, us saying prayers or asking God's help in different ways. And with any relationship, it has to be a mutual uh, thing. So it can't just be us doing all the talking. There has to also be an opportunity for listening in prayer. And that's where people, I think, often get confused because they think, well, how do I listen when I don't hear a voice? Uh, and that's where we get into the realm of um, listening to our hearts, you know, the thoughts that arise in our hearts, in our minds. Um, that's where we trust the Holy Spirit is 
perhaps uh, speaking to us, guiding us. So it's not a matter of hearing an audible voice, but of listening in uh, the interior of our hearts. And basically those two things, our own speaking, our conversation with God, our listening, all of that is, is designed for us to grow deeper in our relationship with him. Um, like any relationship uh, between people, uh, it requires time spent uh, alone together and in communication. And that's basically what prayer is, communication. You know, as you're talking about how we listen, the Holy Spirit working in what we hear in the interior of our heart, um, a lot of times I have experienced that where maybe I've read something in a book of spiritual reading or I've read something in Scripture or even listening to something you know, a priest said at Mass during the homily or something a friend of mine said to me, and it'll be brought back up in my memory during that time of prayer. And so it's almost like the Holy Spirit says, yes, I've been speaking to you, not only in this present moment, but I, I am continually trying to help you understand what I want you to hear from me. That's right. And, you know, the different teachers about prayer will say uh, one of the great aids to our prayer is to have an ongoing sense of God's presence, you know, that God is there everywhere and part of our entire life. And uh, part of the trick in prayer, and again, Carmelites uh, will speak often about being recollected, so the sense of God's presence, and so that God is uh, relating to us at, at all the moments of our life, um, speaking to us in different ways, trying to get our attention. Um, and that's where I think another form of prayer is uh, to pause at the end of the day and to review the day, not only from the perspective of where did I fail or you know where did my weaknesses come up, uh, do I have any sins that I bring to the Lord at the end of this day, but also from the perspective of where was God present in my day, speaking to me through the events and the people of my day. Because, you know, God, again, is ever-present and is relating to us through all the moments of our life. Well, along with that, we've talked in the past, Father, about the importance of making a morning offering, too. And if, you, if you're looking at any other relationship with somebody who you really care about, and, you know, for most of us, it's probably going to be a marriage relationship, a husband and a wife, you say good morning to them. You start off your day with greeting them first thing, and usually you say good night to them as well, and it really doesn't need to be any different with God. Starting off with that morning offering at the beginning of your day, ending with that kind of review that you're talking about at the end of your day, God, how have you been speaking with me? It's, it's good to be back here and be able to spend a little time with you and say good night. That's, that's right. I, I like to think of the, the morning prayer and the evening prayer as kind of the bookends of a day um, so that we begin the day grateful for a, a, a waking, uh, waking up and uh, offering our day to God, maybe looking over the day to say, you know, Lord, where will I need your help today? What am I anticipating uh, positively? Where am I afraid uh, and, and to approach the day that way, and then at the end of the day to review it with gratitude for how God was present in our day. And because they're the bookends of the day, we can think of the day then as a book where God is uh, writing a new scripture, the scripture of our lives, 
and God is at work in our lives the way God was in at work in the lives of the Israelite people, the Jewish people, the uh, people that we read about in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, individuals, uh, just as God was active in their lives. So when we read the book of our life, of our day, uh, we can see God's presence throughout the day. Uh, Father, before we uh, move on to those distractions, one other uh, question for you as far as uh, prayer itself, just talking prayer in general. Can you maybe talk about some of the different types or the forms of prayer that we can engage in, um, whether that's vocal prayer, mental prayer? Sometimes we'll talk about meditative prayer or contemplative prayer. Can you just maybe give us a little uh, understanding of these different forms? Sure. You know, and again, I, I think most of us at one point learned uh, prayers like the Our Father, the Hail Mary, and we would call those vocal prayers. The rosary is is a vocal prayer. It's repeating uh, those particular vocal prayers. But St. John Paul II in his apostolic letter on the rosary said that the rosary was also very much a contemplative prayer, that reciting the words over and over and allowing the beads to go between our fingers is a way of calming ourselves so that During the time of the rosary, we would meditate on the different mysteries of the rosary. So we would reflect on um, those aspects, those moments of Jesus' life. And uh, as St. John Paul said, we would look at Jesus through the eyes of Mary. And ultimately, that meditation might lead us to a a quiet contemplation where we simply uh, are in the Lord's presence with with very little, um, let's say, thinking. And so you have vocal prayer, um, meditation, and contemplation. I would call those the the three um, big ways of looking at prayer. Well, so then let's let's talk about these distractions. I mentioned, of course, the apostles, specifically the three closest to Jesus, Peter, James, and John. But you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, we have. All the, all the apostles that come out from the Last Supper and join Jesus there, uh, that transfiguration scene as well. You know, we've got the apostles falling asleep both places. What do you think that tells us then about our own weaknesses, um, you know, physically as well as spiritually about when we, when we come to a time of prayer? Well, I, I think what it tells us is don't be surprised by distractions and by our thoughts just racing off in different directions from the ones that we intended when we started praying. Um, distraction is, is just part of it. And our minds are always racing with different thoughts of one kind or another. Um, there's a wonderful book called Conversation with Christ uh, by Father Peter Thomas Rohrbach. And he talks about St. Teresa of Avila's approach to prayer. And this is a quote from the book. He says, A distraction is the intrusion of thoughts foreign to the subject of meditation. So the thoughts that just come. And he says, It will be impossible to eradicate involuntary distractions entirely. So no matter how good a prayer you are or how many years you have uh, had a prayer life, distraction will be uh, a normal part of that. And so the, the first thing, I think, is, is to not be surprised, to not be discouraged by the fact that we get distractions. Then, though, uh, he goes on to say, part of the um, 
reason we have distractions, they come from different sources. And it, it might be, you know, that what we were doing when before we entered into prayer um, consumed our thoughts and our minds. It might be that we have a, a vivid imagination and we just naturally slip into uh, uh, imagining things. It might be that uh, we're in bad health at the moment, and so we're distracted by that, or we're tired and fatigued. And so he says there are different sources for distractions, plus he says we all have individual temperaments. And so the way we deal with our uh, distractions um, might require different approaches based on our different temperaments. But I think the the main thing is to, um, first of all, I, I suppose, do a preemptive strike in which we prepare ourselves better for prayer so that we don't just race into prayer thinking that, well, now I'm going to pray without distractions, because what we're doing before we pray often is the source of many of the distractions and racing thoughts that we have when we pray. Uh, well, and is, even as you're talking about this, I'm thinking, okay, the the apostles, Peter, James, and John, going up this mountain, Mount Tabor, my understanding from what I've read, I've never been to the Holy Land, but that it's it's a hike of about five kilometers up to the top of the mountain. So yep. two and a half miles, roughly. Mm-hmm. A- and so you've you've had a nice uphill climb to get there. You're probably going to be pretty fatigued by that point anyway. Mm-hmm. After the Last Supper, okay, you've eaten. You're nice, you know, nice, warm, full belly, and you go out into the dark, and you're just going to be kind of quiet and still. And again, that's kind of setting you up for potential that you know <laughs> you you can you can see kind of mm-hmm. the writing on the wall. It's going to be easy to nod off there, you know, yeah. nice and relaxed. Uh, so. Knowing our physical needs, our limitations, I think especially even during this time of Lent, you know, this is a time where we we practice exercising control over our physical needs. We fast from food, we fast from other things, Uh, but it's also important to know kind of our own limitations if we deprive ourselves a little too much, if we're sick, if there's something else that compromises our physical well-being, that can be a serious distraction when we try and pray. So having basic needs met not overindulging but you know having enough sleep having enough to eat other things if it's possible to take care of those those can maybe be part of that preemptive strike you're talking about right and also you know just finding uh, based on our own whether you call them biorhythms or just our own uh, way that we approach the day um, we might know there are certain times of the day that work better for us than others. So some people will say that they have to pray first thing in the morning, and um, in many cases it's with a cup of coffee because they need that caffeine to jumpstart the day. Um, praying right after lunch may not be a good idea because that's usually nap time. Um, or praying in the evening. I find uh, many people will say in the evening – they, they just their minds are still racing with the thoughts of the day. On the other hand, uh, St. Bernard said, you know, in the evening is a, a great time of reflection. We're done with the heat of the day, the work of the day. We pause and, and can reflect on the day. And uh, so if we're better in the evening, if we're night people, as it were, uh, that would be a better time to pray. So I just, I think finding our own routine rhythm uh, is a key to minimizing uh, distractions. 
I think that can change over time, too. You know, mm-hmm. I, I used to be much more of a night owl in mm-hmm. my teens, my 20s, um, even a little into my 30s. But, boy, I've I've grown into be, being much more of a morning person. Mm-hmm. And that is where now I spend the majority of that longer time in prayer. Mm-hmm. And and it's, it's nice because I'm usually the first one up in the house. I have just quiet, empty space to myself. It means that I have to be diligent about getting up, um, you know, and sometimes that that alarm seems like it's going off earlier than other mornings, even though it's the same time every day. But, mm-hmm. um, Father, I want to open up the phone lines here, too. If you're listening and you would like to join the conversation, our studio line, 888-914-9149, talking with Father James Kabicki here today about those distractions that we find uh, happening for us when we're praying. What what has helped you in your own experience in overcoming those distractions, in minimizing those distractions, being able to stay focused when you're praying? Or maybe this is an absolute struggle for you. You've been trying. You've tried a number of different ways to overcome some of those distractions in your your time of prayer, and nothing seems to be working, and you'd like some advice, some insight, uh, you're welcome to call in and speak with Father Kabicki. Again, the phone number, 888-914-9149. You can also email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com, and we're going to be right back in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Are you battling an addiction? Our sponsor, St. Gregory Recovery Center, can help you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at relevantradio.com slash Gregory. That's relevantradio.com slash Gregory. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Talking today with Father James Kubicki. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, and our topic today, talking about how we overcome those distractions in prayer, and how have you been able to do that in your own life, been able to minimize some of those things that can be distracting for you. Uh, Maybe you have something right now that you're going through in your own life, something that you can't seem to get your mind past. It just, it, it, it kind of obsesses all of your mental energy, and taking that time to pray. It seems like you can't move past that, and you'd like some advice from Father James Kabicki on how to move past that distraction in your life as you're trying to enter into that time of prayer day in and day out. Uh, our phone number into the studio is 888-914-9149, Father, let's talk about another scene with one of the apostles, Peter, Mm -hmm. where he ends up getting distracted. And this is where Jesus, he walks out on the water. Peter and the other disciples, they see him. They're worried, is it a ghost? You know, there's this fear at first. And then Peter says, if it really is you, call me to come out. And Jesus calls Peter out. And Peter's okay at first, mm-hmm. but then he sees the wind, he sees the waves, everything's kind of turbulent around him. And when he when he was looking at Jesus, it was okay. When he takes his eyes off, he starts to sink. Then he mm-hmm. has to cry out, Lord, save me. And I think it's so easy for us to be like Peter. You know, we get distracted by everything else that's happening around us, those turbulent waves of life, whatever it's bringing, and we take our eyes off of Christ. When Jesus calls to us, when he says, here, step out of the boat, trust me in this, 
How do you think we can maybe prepare ourselves so that we don't get distracted by those worries, mm-hmm. the, the, the wind and the waves of life that might be happening around us? How can we better keep our focus on Christ? Well, I think, you know, that's just a marvelous example of how the distraction for, for Peter becomes um, a, a very introspective kind of distraction where the, the wind and the waves are out there, but he turns in on himself and he, be, he becomes very afraid. And, and that is, I think, probably the biggest distraction is where people come into prayer with concerns and worries, and they're, they're good concerns and worries. But at that moment of prayer, uh, it's not a moment where we can um, solve the problems or, or um, uh, take care of everything that we're worrying about. And so you're right, it, it is a question of, in prayer, trying to keep our focus on, on Jesus. And one of the things that I, I recommend, what, a couple things. One is, you know, if we find a, a worry thought coming into our prayer, uh, one thing, it, or thinking about the day ahead, is to, to have a pad of paper and a pencil next to us, a pen, and, and write it down so that we won't forget. And we can say, Lord, I don't want to obsess about this during my time of prayer. I put this into your hands. And and so we have it there to come back to. Um, another approach might be um, to invite Jesus into the worry, into the concern. So if, if Peter, uh, as he was getting out of the boat, had kept his focus on Jesus and said, Lord, I need your hands to hold me up, rather than thinking he had to do it on his own, um, he wouldn't have sunk. Uh, so it, it could be a matter of inviting Jesus into that particular concern or worry. Um, the other thing that I think is is uh, that I recommend to people all the time is to take the beautiful prayer that Jesus taught St. Faustina and asked her to put on the image of divine mercy. Jesus, I trust in you. And when we start feeling worried and upset, to pray that a number of times by taking first a deep breath and with a deep breath, hold the name of Jesus in our hearts and just think of him and his name, Jesus, and then I trust in you. And as we say, I trust in you to whatever that worry or concern is, to put it into his hands. And, you know, deep breathing like that calms us physically, and uniting it with prayer uh, can also then uh, calm us emotionally and spiritually. Yeah, as you're talking about this, too, I'm also thinking that, um, you know— Taking that time to pray, sometimes we can get we can get to a point where I'm so I'm so focused on this. It seems like my prayer is not effective at all. But maybe mm-hmm. you can talk about at least distracted prayer is br- better than no prayer at all. Indeed, it is. You know, uh, and it, maybe it goes against um, some people say if I can't do it well, I shouldn't do it. Um, my view is, you know, that sometimes perfection can be the enemy of the good. Right. Right. So that we, we have this idea of, well, unless I can do this perfectly, unless I can pray perfectly, there's no point in praying. And uh, that's where I think perseverance comes in, you know, that we say no matter how we're feeling, no matter how distracted, no matter if we fall asleep in our adoration time, whatever it may be, to um, uh, not give up 
And uh, this is a, another quote I have from that wonderful book, uh, Conversation with Christ. You can get it from Tan Publishers, T-A-N, Tan Publishers. Uh, it's uh, Conversation with Christ. And uh, th- this is St. Teresa of Avila again, and she writes this. She says, His Majesty, in other words, our Lord, knows our wretchedness and the weakness of our nature better than we ourselves. And he knows that all the time these souls that are distracted are longing to think of him and to love him. It is this determination that he desires in us. And so then the author, Father Rohrbach, goes on to say, if we struggle along with our meditation in the face of constant distractions, we may be consoled that such prayer is most pleasing to God. In other words, you know, it's easy to pray when we're feeling consoled and in the groove and um, uh, uh, very much at peace and focused on our Lord. Um, And it's easy to pray then. But when distractions come and we persevere and we fall asleep or our minds are racing in different directions, Father Rohrbach is saying that if we continue even with those distractions, this prayer is most pleasing to God because he sees us in our weakness and knows our desire is to be with him even though our minds might be racing in another direction. And that desire to be with him is most pleasing to him. Again, that book, uh, it's Conversation with Christ. Yes. And that's by Father Rohrbach, and uh, Nick is going to put a link on our uh, Twitter feed for that. If you are not following the show on Twitter, it's just simply at Inner Life Show. You can find us there. And again, Nick, our producer, he'll have a link to that book that you can find there. Uh, Father, let's go to the phones. And again, the phone number to call into the studio is 888-914-9149. As we're talking about how we can overcome those distractions when we pray, and maybe that's something that is a difficulty in your own prayer life, and you like some advice, you'd like to speak with Father James Kubicki here, 888-914-9149. We've got John listening in Madison, Wisconsin. Hi, John. You're on the air with Father Kubicki. Hi. So my distraction is confusion. I'll start to pray for people in my past, specifically mm-hmm. by name, and then all of a sudden I realize, gosh, there's so many people I need to pray for. What about him and her? And so mm-hmm. then I'll say, um, you know, uh, Lord, all of the people from my past. So I kind of isolate some, and then I group some. And then the same thing for praying for souls in purgatory. Mm -hmm. I'll start praying for specific people, and then I realize I've left out so many. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and then all of a sudden I realize, you know, I need to pray for people in North Korea and China and Russia. And, you know, so the whole thing becomes kind of a, a mass of, not confusion necessarily, but difficulty in terms of prioritizing mm-hmm. and, and wondering really um, what's most important. And, and you know, so how do I deal with that? Mm-hmm. Well, John, that that's a great question. And, uh, you know, I can't help thinking that as you're praying for different people and your mind wanders into uh, the realm of, well, then there's the war in Ukraine and these other things that, you know, the, the Holy Spirit does inspire us in our prayer to pray for different people and situations. And if we begin prayer, just pausing first very quietly and saying, Lord, who do you want me to pray for? And then to just gently let the names come to our minds or situations, um, that 
you know, is, is one way of doing it. Uh, confusion, you know, is usually not a sign of the, the Holy Spirit. And so um, as, as we're thinking about different people, what I, again, think is a good idea is to have that pad of paper next to us and to write down those names and to say, Lord, I don't want to forget these people. And then maybe the next time we, we pray, um, we have that whole list and we just tell the Lord, Lord, here are the people that you inspired me to pray with yesterday. I, I bring them to you today. I don't want to be distracted trying to remember all of them. I just put them in your hands. And the person that I use as an example of this is the great Franciscan um, mystic and uh, intercessor, uh, St. Padre Pio. Um, he had so many people asking him to pray for them that he has a novena of the Sacred Heart in which he would pray every day and he would say, Lord, I'm praying this one novena, this one prayer for all those people that you uh, that have asked me to pray for them. I can't remember all of them now, but you remember them. And so I put them in your hands with this novena. Um, so if you start feeling yourself getting agitated, confused, uh, again, that's not a sign that uh, the Holy Spirit is inspiring you. So what I would say is write down the names um, and feel free to have a little booklet of, of names uh, or a list. And, and just as you approach prayer, say, Lord, these are all the people that you inspired me to pray for in the past. I bring them to you today. And now I'm going to pause and just uh, if anyone else comes to my mind, um, have your Holy Spirit tell me who you want me to pray for in a special way right now. And then just spend about five minutes um, thinking of those people and then uh, go on with other prayer. John, I hope that's helpful. And, you know, Father, the making the list, you know, I, I, I don't have a physical piece mm-hmm. of paper that I'm writing on. I use the little notes section in my smartphone, and I have a list that I'm constantly updating, adding names mm-hmm. to, you know, if somebody, if there's an answered prayer, then I can take that off. If there's something that, you know, something, uh, whatever circumstances change. But I have that to where I can go through every morning during my time of prayer mm-hmm. and just kind of, okay, good. I would have forgotten that if I didn't mm-hmm. have it written down somewhere. It's been so beneficial to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think little tricks like that. And as I say, you know, uh, we're in, you know, it's, it's a good thing that we pray for other people. Um, but if we start feeling overwhelmed with that, then that's not a good sign. And, and just trying to simplify it as much as possible is what I think the Holy Spirit would want us to do. Father, let's take one more phone call before we need to go to our next break. And again, the phone number, 888-914-9149. If you would like to speak with Father James Kubicki here today as we discuss how we overcome those distractions in prayer, how we make that time more focused, more fruitful. Maybe you are struggling with distractions in your time of prayer, and you'd like to talk with Father Kabicki Again, 888-914-9149. Father Rocco is calling, listening in the Bronx. Rocco, thanks for joining us here on yes. The Inner Life. I just wanted to uh, let you know that I've been going to— well, you have a lot of plans that you want to make for for Lent, and uh, like the Divine Office— and, uh, you know, saying your rosary and different things like that. And I've got that. There's a good one that's Halo. I've been trying to do that one. And um, and also I've been going to uh, adoration. I've been going to adoration um, every day. 
and plus there was a 24-hour adoration at one of the churches in in the in the Bronx, um, and it started it's Ash Wednesday. But I didn't find out for a couple of days later. But I've been going to that, and, you know, on first Friday stayed a whole night. But my point is, I do fall asleep. But then when you're praising worship, that's fine. But it's like, is it enough to just be with the Lord? I mean, I I love being there, but I, I miss. I would like to do the office, and and mm-hmm. some days I can't do the whole thing. I find myself doing the intro and going to every one like at night. I'll mm-hmm. try to do every single one at once, just mm-hmm. so I can get through of it. But I think that that's I don't know if that's right mm-hmm. or not. But that's my question anyway. Yeah, great question, Rock. Oh, um, you know, first of all, uh, there's a psalm. Uh, I believe it's Psalm 127, where um, the Lord says, you know, it, it says, the Lord gives to his beloved in their sleep. He gives to his faithful in their sleep. So if we fall asleep in adoration, you know, it's not the ideal, but we are there, and the Lord knows what's our desire. And um, um, I always think of adoration as being in his presence and we we don't have to it's like being in the presence of the sun the sun will warm us and even burn us and think to be in the presence of the creator of the sun jesus our lord um there's a power there even if we have fallen asleep to your point about you know uh, wanting to pray the whole office maybe doing it all at once the different hours of the day um saint ignatius loyola in his rules for discernment will say that for people who are good and want to serve God and love God, one of the ways that the evil spirit tempts them is to come as an angel of light and to tempt them to do more and more things in their prayer and in that way to get them off balance so that they feel they've failed or they feel that um, they should just give up because they're never going to be able to do the whole office. And so, uh, again, I think to set aside time and uh, and to not feel, um, you know, a a compulsion that well I need to do this all now, um, but to do uh, perhaps at night the evening prayer and the night prayer, and to do it slowly and prayerfully, um, rather than trying to squeeze let's say the whole office into a period of time, um, where we end up more or less going through the motions rather than uh, praying the prayers reflectively. So I hope that's uh, helpful to you, Rocco. Um, Keep up the good work. Uh, It sounds like you're off to a a great start this Lent with the different desires uh, to pray that you have. Rocco, glad to have you here on the program. And Father, actually, Rocco's question made me think of, you and I had spoken years ago about this same topic, and you had brought up uh, Pope Benedict XVI, that Mm -hmm. in his time of praying the rosary, and this stuck with me, you know, just Mm -hmm. this this thought that there were times where he would pray the rosary, and he'd get so caught up in the meditation, the reflection of whatever mystery he was on there. It might only get to the second mystery, and he was so caught up in that— that he wouldn't necessarily finish praying the rosary, but that time was so beneficial for him and so fruitful that, you know, I Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of us, okay, if I don't accomplish all of this, have I really prayed? Have I really prayed the rosary if I don't get in all five decades, if I don't get in the Hail Holy Queen? But if we are uh, being—if we're making that time really count, Mm -hmm. even though we don't get through 
all the 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 vocal prayer that we expect to say, mm-hmm. God still can work in that in, in wonderful ways. Definitely. And again, that's the, where we, we remember prayer is a two-way street, that it's, it's not just us saying the prayers or doing the prayers, but it's also doing it in a way that helps the Lord to speak to us and touch us and, and communicate to us in our hearts. Need to take another break, but when we come back, Father, we're talking a lot about just that, that individual, that isolated prayer on our own, but mm-hmm. of course we can pray with others. Mm-hmm. And boy, that brings in another dynamic as far as distractions that can happen. So let's talk about some of that when we come back here on The Inner Life. Again, our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki, he is a Jesuit priest, spiritual director at St. Francis de Sales Seminary in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, and today talking about how we can overcome those distractions in our times of prayer. And if you would like to speak with Father Kabicki, the phone number here, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Email address is innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. Be right back after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour is sponsored by St. Gregory Recovery Center, helping you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at relevantradio.com Gregory. That's RelevantRadio.com slash Gregory. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, speaking today with Father James Kubicki about how we overcome, how we avoid those distractions when we try and pray. And of course, they will come. They will happen. We're going to get distracted. But how can we minimize those? Uh, that's what we're talking about. And if you would like to call in and speak with Father Kabicki, the phone number into the studio, 888-914-9149, Father, I wanted to talk about when we're in a group, but, uh, you know, I think it, <laughs> it might be really important to just talk about maybe some key basics. And you had mentioned, you had read out of that book, Conversation with Christ, um, how each one of us we might have different circumstances, different personalities, different temperaments. There's all these different factors that come into play that can that can lead into the way that we can be distracted. But when uh, when we are going to enter into that time of prayer, one of the things we talked about off the mic was slow down. You know, just be able to slow down and make sure that you you don't try and go from hectic, crazy, busy life right into a time of prayer. Uh, one thing you were just mentioning to me right before we came back, St. Teresa of Avila, she never went into prayer without having some sort of spiritual reading, a spiritual book she could go to. What do you think are maybe, along with those, some other key things that we should all practice that will help us have a beneficial, a fruitful time of prayer and really eliminate some of those distractions? Well, again, I think, you know, it's a matter of, of choosing a, a spot where uh, we're comfortable. It's a routine that we enter into. Um, slowing down, you know, we can't go from from busy thinking about many things, our minds racing, and then expect that we're going to be able to meditate on a gospel passage. So to um, St. Ignatius would say, look at the place where you're going to kneel or stand or sit or lie down, and, and whatever posture you choose that works for you for prayer, 
uh, to choose that posture. But before doing that, make a prayer asking for the help of the Holy Spirit because it's only with the Spirit that we are able to pray. St. Paul writing to the Romans chapter 8 says, we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit comes to us in inexpressible ways, groans and such. So to, to ask for the Holy Spirit's guidance and then to try to slow down, take deep breaths to, uh, um, as it were, try to uh, empty our minds of all the racing thoughts and worries and concerns. Uh, but then, as you mentioned, to, to have a good spiritual book or the gospel of the day, to pick it up, to slowly read a, a passage, and and then to pause where our our mind is engaged, where a certain word or phrase will jump out at us, uh, and then to uh, stop and ponder it. Um, so we read the scriptures, we read spiritual books, not to get through them, but uh, that we might find fruit within them. And uh, and so I think, you know, I think it's great advice to, to have a good spiritual book as St. Teresa of Avila. You know, she's a great Carmelite mystic, and she's saying she never began prayer without a good spiritual book so that when her mind wandered, she would be able to bring it back by uh, spiritual reading a little bit. And, you know, if we think of prayer as speaking to God, it's also listening to God. And it's been said, one of the ways we listen to God is through that kind of meditative reading and then pondering what we've read. Um, so I think having a, a basic kind of plan, uh, not that it's a cookie cutter, that this is the way it's going to work every time, but to have some idea of how we want to spend that time uh, in prayer, and then uh, to ask God's help in in uh, listening to Him. All right. So then, let's talk about when we are praying with others, where there's you know some sort of group or public prayer that we're engaged in, and then it can be you know maybe somebody's saying the prayer with different words than we're used to, or somebody's mm-hmm. just you know their 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 you know their chair is squeaky, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it's it's distracting us. Um, whatever it might be, any recommendations on how you can try and limit those distractions when, again, there's only so much you can do in those sorts of settings? Well, I can't help thinking, you know, in the story of a soul by Therese of Lisieux, um, she writes about being placed in front of a sister who um, was making a clicking sound. And it was probably she was tapping her teeth with her fingernail. And, you know, it would come and it would go. And Therese, she couldn't focus on her prayer. She kept hearing this sound. And at one point, she said she wanted to turn around and give the sister a dirty look, as though to say, you know, you are totally distracting at this moment. But instead, she said, I'm not going to cause sister any pain, and I'm going to try to listen to that distracting noise and offer it to God as a pleasing symphony. Now, maybe that's not the best approach, um, but I think there's some way of trying to incorporate then whatever it is that distracted us into our prayer, asking the Lord to be part of that um, when we're praying with other people. Um, that, I, I think, especially at Mass, people will say, my mind wanders and I'm thinking about all kinds of other things. That's where I think I'm a big fan of having a missal or a Magnificat or some other prayer book that has the Mass prayers in which we follow along 
and read those prayers with the presider, the priest who's praying those prayers, or as the word is being proclaimed, to follow along with the liturgy of the word. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because we live in such a a visual world that uh, just trying to listen can be a struggle, and so to also be reading while we're listening can be very helpful. A lot of us like to sit in the back of the church, too. I mean, you know, just simply moving up to one of the front pews, mm-hmm. you know, that by itself can be one of those things that helps to eliminate some of those those distractions when you're in that public setting there. Yeah. Father, uh, we're, we're flat out of time. I wish we had more time, but the hour has just raced by here. Uh, in our final 30 seconds, could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? Happy to do so, Josh. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this radio station, for this program, for this time that we've had together. We ask you to send your blessing upon us, all the people that we hold in our heart. And we ask you to bless us, especially during this Lent, that we may grow closer to you through the practice of prayer, our fasting, and almsgiving. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, descend upon all our listeners and family and friends. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, Father, for being here with us. A big thank you to Nick Santovich, to Gabby Burke for their help in producing the program. I hope you can join us tomorrow. We're going to be talking about an important virtue, chastity. That's a virtue that's under attack always in our society. We'll see you for that conversation back here tomorrow.